Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks for joining us for this week's message from Riverside Church. I believe you will be inspired and blessed by the Word of God. We'd love to welcome you to one of our services next time you're in the Brisbane area. If you'd like to know more about us, go online at www.riversidecc.org.au or like us on Facebook to hear about up-and-coming events. I hope you enjoy the message. God bless you. It's good to be in church, isn't it? I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord, because we can grow. So this morning, we are continuing on, I guess, aspects of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. And we will, uh, you know, continue to do that for, for the next couple of weeks. So we're looking at the, the life of the Holy Spirit in the believer, and we cannot separate the Christian faith from the life of the believer with the Holy Spirit. So let's pray this morning. Lord, we come to you and we ask for your wisdom, your understanding, Lord, for your anointing that our hearts would be ready to receive your word. And I pray, God, let us be challenged by your word so that we can grow into the knowledge of who you are by your spirit. I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. So, having your Bibles, if you would like to open them to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're looking at spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts of the believer that are given. Now, casting our mind back we can see that Jesus promised that he would send the Holy Spirit. John chapter 16, he said, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit and he is going to lead you and guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own. He will only speak of what I'm saying. So Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. And then after Jesus ascended into heaven, in Acts chapter 2, we see that after he said, go to Jerusalem, wait for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So this is for all believers. Not, it is not for one particular time, but for all believers. And we see in Acts chapter 2, that when the Holy Spirit came, he moved upon them and they were resting what they, they saw as to be tongues of fire. And there's a great sound of a mighty rushing wind and they were filled with the Spirit of God as the Holy Spirit enabled them and they began to speak in other tongues and different languages. These were earthly languages that they did not know of and they were the heavenly language and they were praising God. And there is the record there of those who had traveled from far and wide who come into Jerusalem said, these men are speaking our own particular language and they're praising God. So it was a unique situation. And then we can see that it, as they were filled with the Spirit and the apostles and the prophets, they went out and then we see the miraculous works that take place. In Acts chapter 3, I believe it is, there's a crippled man at the gate of beautiful waiting to be healed. And Peter looks at him and he says, I don't have silver and gold. But what I say to you in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and be healed. And the guy jumps to his feet and he's instantly healed. We see the miraculous power of the work of Christ in the life of other people by the believers. And it hasn't finished. We see in Acts chapter 5 that there are many miracles. Right throughout the book of, uh, of Acts, we see deliverance from the demonic. So the work of Jesus that he started, he has entrusted to the church, which is you. 
believers to continue the work to see the miraculous power in order that God is glorified and we can live this life in power. However, in, in the book of Corinthians, Paul writes to them, now Corinth is in Greece and there's people who have been saved and the Holy Spirit is moving upon people, but the, the church in Corinth is just a crazy place. They, they, they haven't worked it all out and they needed serious teaching to understand what God had done for them through Christ Jesus and how the Holy Spirit was moving their life and what to do and what to expect. So Paul speaks to that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now I'm going to read uh, bits of the, this chapter and we can look at them and reflect on them. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 1 and it says this, Now dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about special abilities the Spirit has given us. The Holy Spirit has given them to them. I don't want you to misunderstand this. So this is so that we don't get it wrong because it's easy to be misunderstood. They didn't know what was going, but they knew that the Spirit was moving in them. They knew that, that this was a supernatural thing. And when God moves in us, often we don't know what, what's happening or how it's happening, but God is moving in them. He said, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You've got to get it right. It's not everyone can just do anything they like. So here's the question that, that I want to pose to you this morning as we understand spiritual gifts. Who is the source of the gifts? Why were they given to us? What are the different types of gifts? Who distributes the gifts? And who decides what gifts you are given? Because we don't want to misunderstand this. So let's go to verse 4 to 6. And Paul elaborates the expression of spiritual gifts that the believers function in and what they are. And more importantly, who is the source of the gifts? So here he goes, verse 4. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts. Different kinds. But the same Spirit is the source of them all. The same Spirit. And there's a reason why Paul says this. He's not just writing it to fill in the books of the, or the, the words in the Bible. He says there are different kinds of service. Different ways this happens. But we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. So who is the source of the gifts? The Spirit of God. It's the Holy Spirit. He's the one who gives us. When you come to Christ, you are baptized in Jesus' name in, and you receive the forgiveness of sin. The Holy Spirit actually baptizes us into the church. And he gives us gifts so that we can function a certain way. Now, the reason why Paul says this, but the same spirit is the source of them all, is because this church in Corinth, in Greece, the believers there grew up and they believed in 12 different kinds of gods. And so by believing in 12 different kinds of God, if they wanted a certain thing to take place in their life, they would make sacrifice to God number one. Or if they wanted something else to happen, they'd sacrifice to God 
number two, and number three, and number four. And so there would be these different sacrifices because they had a polytheistic mindset. There were different gods for different reasons. And Paul is counteracting that and saying, listen, you've got to stop thinking the way that you thought before. Folks, you've got to stop thinking the way you thought before. You have to think the way in which the Scripture tells us and shows us and reveals to us. It is the same Spirit. So you don't have to go here for this, to one God for a certain thing. The Holy Spirit does everything because He is God. So we need to understand that Paul is absolutely clear that there is one God. The Lord our God is one. God is one in essence and three in persons. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So we, we see that God the Father sent the Son. The Son came and laid down his life for us. Jesus goes back up to heaven and he sends the Holy Spirit to empower us to live this life. There is one Spirit. And in their context, they, couldn't, they just found it really hard to understand. But he drives this point home. You don't have to go to here. You don't have to go to there. You just go to the Holy Spirit and he will lead you and guide you. The Greek, this was a transforming revelation. One God, the Spirit can lead me. I don't have to go to all these other ones. Yes, and I don't have to make sacrifice. No, because Jesus made the perfect sacrifice for access for you to the Spirit of God. So, one Spirit. So why were the gifts given? For what purpose are they given to us? In verse 7 it says this, A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Now, as I was preparing this message and I'm pouring over the Scriptures, I really sensed the Spirit of God saying to me, make sure you make this clear why gifts are given. You know, sometimes, well, a little bit of confession here. When I was early in my Christian walk, I would read the Word of God to impress God. Have you ever done that? No one else has ever done that. Am I the only one? I am. Okay. So you've never, you said, God, I'm reading your word. Oh, yes. To impress you. Come on. You've all been there. We think we're pretty spiritual trying to. And one day it clicked. I don't read God's word to impress him. I read God's word so that he impresses on me. Big difference. And so my heart is open to receive and allowing him to impress upon me what he is saying to me. A spiritual gift is given to each of us, not so that you can impress other people that you have a spiritual gift. It is to help and encourage other people. That's why the gifts are given. It's not about you. It's about your brothers and sisters. God wants you to know that when he gives you these gifts, it's not so that you can stand out from the crowd. It's so that you can minister to others in a way that builds each other up. People who truly function out of the right motivation of spiritual gifts understand, even though I am being used, I am just the vessel. 
for my brother and sister in the Lord. Last week we had prophet Phalene Sparks come and I am absolutely certain and sure 100% that she is a prophet of God and she's spoken to the lives of people here. Now here's the thing, what was the function of a gift within her was not to impress you. It wasn't so that you go, wow, what an amazing person she is. It was for you. It was for you to be encouraged. It was for you to understand what God is doing in your life. The purpose of prophecy is this. We see it in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3. And I want to just read that to you so it's absolutely clear. The one who prophesies strengthens others. 1 Corinthians 14, 3. The one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them and comforts them. It is for comfort, encouragement and exhortation. It builds you up. It inspires you that God is there. So prophecy is not just so that you can shine brightly. It's so that your brothers and sisters are ministered to. If that is being the case, then all the spiritual gifts that God gives us, as we see there in the Scriptures, is so that you can help each other. Because we all need help from time to time. So when prophecy comes into your life, how can you know that it's prophecy? Because it strengthens you, it comforts you, it's encouraging to you. Now, sometimes a prophetic word can come and it may seem harsh to you. But the Spirit of God never brings condemnation into your life. The Spirit of God will, at times, Jesus said, when the Spirit of God comes, He will convict you of sin, of righteousness, and the judgment to come. So when the Holy Spirit comes and you get a word and you seem, gee, that's a bit harsh. If it condemns and makes you feel less, it's not of the Spirit of God. But if it's coming upon you and there is conviction, that's of the Spirit of God because God wants you to be strengthened and, com and comforted and encouraged in your walk to represent Christ. That's why prophecy comes. And sometimes it may seem harsh, but if you are really honest about wanting to live a life for Christ, it will come and it will be conviction. But with that conviction, there will be a turning when your heart is set towards him. God, forgive me and set you back on that right straight. Spiritual gifts are given to help each other. When you consider the life of Christ, who did Jesus condemn? He condemned the religious and those who were exalting themselves above God. That's what, that's what he did. But everyone else prostitutes, the blind, the thieves, the beggars. He came and he comforted them and encouraged them and strengthened them to turn from their ways and turn to God. Never did he condemn people. Never. And if Christ never condemns anyone, then we should never condemn anyone. In the house of God. This should be the safest place on the face of the earth where we are encouraging and comforting and helping each other. And we do that to a degree at times under the unction of spiritual gifts given by the Spirit. So if someone comes to you and says, oh, God says to me that you're a rat bag and then you're just worthless and you're no good and you should just forget what you're doing in life. That's not prophecy. 
Okay? If a word comes to you and says, God wants you to press in. He's got good things for you. You can do what he, you can do. All, you know, live in every circumstance that Christ gives you. You can get through this. Yes, that's prophecy. Sometimes prophecy, when it comes, you may not understand it. I was sharing uh, with someone the other day that I, and uh, it's, it's quite interesting. I'm just going to go to prophecy for a moment. But I, I was given this prophetic word by a friend about, I would say, 20 years ago. And they pointed out a scripture to me and I said, I really feel that this is for you from God. And they quoted the scripture to me and it was one of those scriptures and, and you just go, man, that, that just doesn't seem right to me. About a month ago, a month ago, I'm reading the Word of God and I come to that scripture and I'm looking at it and I went, oh! and I read the previous scriptures that were attached to it. And folks, it was as plain as day. Something that I had struggled with for years, for years. And I read it and it's like, that's what it is. Man, that was exciting. It gave me courage for my spirit. And I could see what God was intending to show me so many years. And sometimes you'll get a prophetic word and you go, what is that? Well, as they say, you take it, you write it down, you date it, you stick it in your Bible and say, God, make it plain to me. Because sometimes you don't know what it is. That word that was given 20 years ago was given to me for that period of my time, just about a month ago, and just changed everything for me. That's the power, because it was encouraging, it was comforting, and it was, uh, what's the last one? Encouraging, comforting, and strengthening, yes. So remember that. So, remember, gifts are given always to help each other. Always. How often? Yes, always. Say it again with me. Always. And if it's not always, just ignore it. So let's quickly look at the different gifts that are given so we can get a handle on them. And I'm just going to make reference to different times uh, throughout scriptures where it relates to it and sometimes out of our own lives. So it says the different types are given. And one of them is this. It's found in verse... Uh, uh, wrong page here we go a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other to one person the spirit gives the ability to give wise advice or the word of wisdom and wisdom is simply knowing how to do something a fantastic example of this is uh, from Solomon when he becomes king, and hopefully you know the story, he is ruling and he's judging and two women come before them and one of the ladies, uh, she accidentally lies on her baby and the baby passes away and there's another woman there with a baby and they go before King Solomon and they're saying, this is my baby, no, that's my baby, this is my baby, no, that's my baby. And they're arguing in front of King Solomon and Solomon puts his hand up and says, bring me a sword. And he says, I'm going to cut them in two, give half to this one and half to that one, and that'll make them happy. One woman goes, yes, and the other person, the other woman goes, what? 
No, give the child to that woman. Why? Because that was the real mother. And Solomon says, take the child and give it to her because she's the mother. He knew what to do by divine inspiration from God. That's wisdom. And when you read that scripture, you go, wow, God, give me wisdom to know what to do. And he will. Wise words, a word of wisdom. It's not that you can work it out, but God shows you how to work it out. Here's the second one. He gives wise advice, and then he also gives a a message of special knowledge. So this is to know something by revelation that you didn't know before. Special knowledge. I was in a prayer meeting with a friend uh, one night, and we're praying, and I really sense that God said to me, tell your friend this that he will be at work and that God will give him revelation knowledge how to fix something. So I said, okay. So I just said, hey, uh, God has just said to me that sometime this week, you are going to have special revelation knowledge how to do something. I don't know what it is, but wait for it. God will give it to you. That was it. My friend told me the following week, he said, you know how you said that God will give me special revelation knowledge about an issue at work? Yep. Yep. He said, actually, absolutely happening. This person was an electrical engineer. They had rolled out all the plans. They were standing there. He said, I was the youngest electrical engineer with all these other guys, about eight other guys who were all geniuses, had been there for years and years. They're looking at these plans and they don't know what to do. And in in that moment, God spoke to him and said, do this. So he just very cautiously put his hand up like he was in class amongst all these geniuses. And he says, I think maybe if we do this, that will fix the problem. He said, all of them looked at me and said, that's unbelievable. And it was right. That's special revelation knowledge. And it, and it just spoke into that moment. Folks, sometimes amongst us, if we're caring for each other, God will give you special revelation knowledge to know something. Now, here's the point. Wisdom and knowledge actually go together at times because you can know something but not know how to do that. So when God gives you knowledge, you ask him to give you the wisdom concerning the knowledge and they work together. A word of wisdom and a word of knowledge. The next one that is given is a message of knowledge and great faith or some versions of the Bible say special faith. This is not just simply believing, but this is believing with a conviction of absolutely knowing that something is going to come to pass. No doubt. Can I say this? Special faith happens in the life of the believer. This year, we celebrate 30 years as a church. It is amazing to me 30 years. Very simply, God impressed upon us when we were at a national conference in Sydney in 1991 that we were to plant a church in Graceful Chelmer area. And I just knew it. God's called us to plant a church. So I told Pavey and Pavey said, yeah, let's do that. Whole set of circumstances happened. The church we were in serving as youth pastors, there was uh, some challenges. The senior pastor got sick. We didn't feel that we could leave. So we just waited and waited and waited. New senior pastor came in 
And then I really sensed that God was saying, now is the time to start. And I said this, Lord, you need to speak to Pavey. You need to tell her that I'm absolutely certain. I need confirmation. The next day she said that she was walking down the stairs and the Lord said, time to plant the church. She came upstairs. This is the next day. And she said, the Lord said, we have to plant that church. It's got to be God. It's only God. From that moment on, we knew we had special faith, great faith, knowing that one day that we would be standing in a place to worship God, to put a spiritual peg in the ground, to declare the glory of God. And now you are witnesses to it today. Special, great faith. Listen to me. I left school not halfway through grade 11, but a a quarter of the way through grade 11. I might look intelligent and good looking, but folks, I'm just the average guy. I'm just average. But it doesn't matter. When God puts something in your heart and you know that you know that you know that you know, then you know you've got to do it. I remember one pastor coming and preaching in our church and he got up and we were probably five years in and he said to me, he said, I know, Jim, that you felt like giving up. And I sat there and I thought to myself, I have never, ever felt like giving up. And he never, ever came and preached again in the church. But God takes you through the journey, but he gives you great faith. You know, I really thought that we would be in a building like this after five years. I really did. But it didn't happen. And then 10 years. And a pastor called me and he said, there's this church of 500 people. If you put your name down, then I know you're going to get to church. And I said, I can't do it. I just can't do it. I know God's called us to do this. He said, okay. 15 years came. The same guy rang me and said, there's this church. It has 600 people in it. And there's a school attached to it. He says, you're crazy staying where you are. Just leave. This is going to be great for you. And I said, I can't. I can't do it. I know that God has called us to do it. 20 years later, Lifeline didn't even call. No one cared. 20 years. And in my mind, I'm thinking, Lord, I know that you've called. What are you going to do? And it can be like that in your life. And you've got to hang on to that great faith that he's given you because it will come to pass. If he's spoken into your life, he gives you the ability to have great faith. Then out of the blue, we're at a conference and we heard about this building. And I can't remember who called me. I wish I had written it down. But they said, there's this building. We knew every building that was available for a church from Chelmer right down to Sherwood. I'm telling you, everywhere. And it became available. And then 23 years later, God opens a way for us to come into the church and begin the journey. Folks, when he gives you great faith, 
it doesn't matter how long it's going to be. Hang in there. You think about Moses. You think about Abraham. You think about Job. Think about those of great faith. You just have to stand because it's that conviction. And I'm sharing that to you, not to brag, not to boast, but to tell you, God, when he puts that faith in you, don't give up. You are closer today than you were yesterday. Great faith. Then you have the gift of healing. Sometimes people come in and they have the gift of healing supernaturally as God determines and we know what that is. Then, after gift of healings, comes the performing of miracles. See, a miracle is defined by that which transcends all natural laws that exist. For example, Jesus walks on water. Who's ever been in a boat and said, Lord, I'd love to walk on water? Yeah, I see that hand. I have to. Lord, I want to walk on water. And every time I step out, well, I just don't have the gift of miracles in my life. When Jesus calmed the storm, he just spoke the word. That's a miracle. It transcends everything that is possibly that exists. Supernatural, water into wine. It's a case we see in, uh, with Elijah and the widow of Zarephath, where there is oil and flour. It just does not run out. Can I tell you about the first miracle offering that we ever took up? So many years ago, about 25 years ago, we were in the Sherwood Scout Hall that was in Young Street in Graceville. It took you 17 stairs to get up into this building. 17 stairs. So I said to the church, we're going to take up a miracle offering and we're going to believe God because we needed to have a new set of drums because we basically didn't have any drums, so we needed some new ones. And we needed a bass amp. Do you remember that? This big old bass amp. And I'm telling you, I have I experienced, I can't, I just know that I know that I know. We're taking up the offering. And I could sense that inside the offering bag, that God was supernaturally increasing the offering. And you go, you're nuts. Yeah, if you didn't know that, now you do know that. I sensed that, that God was doing it. And do you know, I, I can't remember how much it would have cost. Maybe it was $4,000 or something like that. But I had this conviction that God was going to do it. We decided to pre-purchase the drums and the bass amp. And there was a curtain and it was always closed. And we put the drums and the bass amp. We counted the offering. It was more than enough. And we opened the curtains and there were the drums and the bass amp. But God did a supernatural thing in that moment. I can't explain it. So now we are going to take up an offering this morning. And we are going to believe for $680,000 to pay the rest of the church off. I see some smiling and some crying right now. But God can do the miraculous, folks. 
And he wants you to be in that miraculous, to transcend natural laws, because all the glory has to go to him. That's the bottom line. And he wants you to move in these spiritual gifts for the benefit for others. Now, after that, of that special uh, supernatural that perform miracles, there is this prophecy. And we've already covered that this morning. Comfort, exhortation, strengthening. And then there is the discernment in the realm of spirit. So if we can lead this, the discernment of spirit. And this is what it says, which I think is really, really interesting. He gives someone, someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. So a message can come from the Spirit of God, but can also come from another type of spirit. And that is a demonic spirit or it can be a human spirit. I've heard people prophesy out of their own human spirit. And it's not always bad, but when it happens, you go, that's out of their spirit. What they would like or what they want to see. And sometimes you know it's a demonic spirit because it doesn't line up with the word of God. It's a specific situation where you will know without a doubt. Have you ever walked into a place and you had the eebie-jeebies? You know what I mean? You just go, whoa, something's not right here. That is a discernment of the realm of the Spirit. And you should always be aware of that taking place. Then we have speaking in unknown languages. And this is a a message that comes to encourage the church. It's given by the inspiration. And sometimes people will see that and they will hear different languages. Sometimes their own language being spoken of. And then there is the interpretation of that unknown language. So they're the gifts that God wants you to operate in. And he wants you to operate in them. Why? To care for other people, to comfort, to strengthen each other. But who distributes the gifts? Who decides? Do you decide? Is it up to you? This is what the scripture says in verse 11. It is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. He determines it. The pastor doesn't do it. Your husband doesn't do it. Your wife doesn't do it. Your friend doesn't do it. The Spirit of God. Only the Holy Spirit distributes and He alone decides. Now you can earnestly desire the best gift. Yes, however, the Spirit determines I know many a person have said to me, I would love the gift of healing. Yeah, you would love it. And you know why you would love it? Because you would love it because you would feel that you are a little bit better than anyone else. Sometimes God will not give you a gift because it's going to be a damage to you. A damage. And could lead you away from God rather to God. Because once the gift is given... It is given. It is not taken back. And God, the Holy Spirit, knows what is best for you to function in that gift. Seek them, but remember, it's the Spirit that decides. Now, as we continue on, this is really important. 
Everybody is part of the body of Christ. Everybody. No one is left out. So, of course, in this church, there was this hierarchy. There were those who were free and those who were slaves, those who were Jews and those who were Gentiles and Greeks. And they had this type of situation like, oh, I don't want to invite him, he's a Gentile, I don't want him to come into my home and, you know, I'm a Jew or that's a slave person. What right do they have to be in the same standing? So we have that even in our society today just because of sometimes the way that we look or even our education. Some people won't accept you because of certain things. And this is what the scripture says in verse 13. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves and some are free, but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit. And we all share the same spirit. There is equality in the church of Christ. There is equality amongst believers. No one's better than anyone else. Slaves are not less than free. Gentile is not less than Jew. All of us are equal. And who determines what part you are and where you should go? If we look at the next scripture in verse 18, God has put each part just as he wants it. Do you know what it takes place sometimes in football teams? I used to play in a soccer team for Lions many years ago. And uh, there would be kids who would want to be in the front. They want to be the center, forward center. Why would they want to be up the front in the forward, in the center? So they could score the goal, obviously, and get the glory of scoring the goal. You know who determines what position that you play in a team? It's not you, it's not the captain, it's the coach. And a good coach will put you where you need to go for the benefit for the whole team. I used to play in midfield and I would just love to be up the front there. Because in my glorious reign of playing soccer for Lions, I scored, uh, for years, do you know how many goals I scored? One. One goal, and it was glorious. I broke past the forwards, and I sensed that the goalkeeper was running out towards me, and I chipped it over his head, and it went bang, 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 bang. And just as it was going to cross the line, a winger came in and belted it into the back of the net, but it was my goal. I'm telling you. And when he kicked in, he was running around. We were never friends until I became a Christian. <laughs> and that was at Acacia Ridge and it was a 19... No, look, let's just don't go silly. Get over it, get over it. But you don't get the choice in the body of Christ. God puts you what your fit is the best. That's it. It's where you fit the best. You don't want to be a square peg in a round hole. You want to be where God calls you to be. You want to be in that state where it's just like, yep, this is where I'm supposed to be. And nothing is less in the body of Christ. Nothing is less. It's all equal. And we all have to function in our gift for the benefit for each other. The purpose of being a part is this. And I, I think this just, again, reinforces what the scriptures want us to understand about being part 
of a group. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members, here it is, care for each other. We care for each other. It's the purpose. You know, sometimes people have gifts or they function out of certain gifts and they say, well, I'm just going to say it how it is. And if a person gets hurt, that's not my problem. Let me tell you, it's going to be a problem. It's going to be a problem. Gifts were never meant to hurt people. The gifts of God is for encouragement, comfort and strengthening. Well, that's just who I am. Well, that's not who God's created you to be, really. And it doesn't mean you have to be all moddy coddling. No, no, there you go. You're doing all right. But genuine care and comfort in church. Spiritual gifts have the manifestation of care. Care. It flies in the very face of the nature of Christ. We are to replicate him. We are to be the image of him. And we are to care just as he cared. And the outcome in closing. Verse 26. And I think this is just such a beautiful way to end this thought that Paul has. If you are honored, then I am glad. If your suffering is my suffering and my suffering is your suffering. And if you are honored, I'm glad. And if I'm honored, you are glad. So when I'm suffering as a brother and sister in Christ, you're suffering with me. There's this compassion that wells up because he's the God of all compassion. So when I'm going through something tough, you're with me. Say, I'm I'm with you. I'm praying for you. I'm believing for you. Compassion and care. When I'm suffering, you're suffering. And when you're suffering, I'm suffering. And not that we sit in our suffering, but that we're there genuinely for each other. But look at that last one. If you're honored, then I am glad. I am so glad. And if I'm honored, you're glad. You see, too often, folks, oh, it pains me even to say this, that I've seen pastors who have dishonored others and have not been glad for someone who's been honored. Now, why does he get all the praise? That is so, it is so carnal not to be happy for someone if something good is coming into their life. Envy, jealousy, backbiting. That is called the fruit of the flesh, of, of the carnal nature of a person. If someone's being blessed, you be glad. You be happy for them. You rejoice with those who rejoice and you mourn with those who mourn. Be glad for each other. How, what a sad indictment it is on the church of Jesus Christ when we see, and I'm, I'm just saying pastors because I've seen pastors who are never happy for another pastor. Or Christians who aren't happy for other Christians. It's wrong and it's evil and it's wicked to be honest with you. Seriously it is. It's it's a speck on the, the nature of Christ if we behave like that. Be glad when others are honored. It's carnal. Jealousy and envy. It's about caring and rejoicing in every area of life. So are you happy? I'm sorry, I I just feel that so strong in my heart. 
It's, it's wrong, folks. It's really, really wrong. It's bad. Why would anyone want to be part of a church that wasn't happy for someone else when they're progressing? Why? It's just such a sad thing. Never let it happen here amongst us. Never. So spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are for building up, comfort, encouraging. They're for one another. Would you stand with me this morning? Next week, we're going to continue on. And we're going to go from verse 27. And we're going to look at the different gifts that God gives as in apostles, prophets, teachers, those who do miracles. I encourage you to read that chapter from 1 Corinthians 12, 27 through to chapter 13. And it's incredible that if you think about how Paul structures his letter to the church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians 11 is talking about the Lord's Supper. 1 Corinthians 13 is the chapter of what? Love. And in between there are spiritual gifts. It's just amazing. Let's pray. Let's pray together and believe that God would use us in spiritual gifts and to have the motivation to be completely selfless in functioning and ministering to each other out of genuine care. I think we don't see them as much as we should because we don't understand why spiritual gifts are given. And if you want God to move in your life in spiritual gifts, why don't you just raise your hands this morning? I mean, I do. I, I want it. I want it so that I can be a person who builds up and encourages and strengthens and comforts. But folks, you've got to seek the spiritual gift. You've got to press in to the realm of the Spirit and understand and have your heart open. And you know, sometimes it happens just so naturally and so quickly. But that person that you're ministering to would understand. So with those who have their hands raised this morning, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that God will make you aware of these spiritual gifts and that you would give a, a wise word, a word of wisdom, that you would give knowledge, that you would function in the special gift of faith, that which you'd function in function in that realm of miracles for His glory. That you would function in discernment of spirit that you would know. And even say to a friend, look, I don't think this sense is right to my spirit. And of prophecy and tongues and interpretations. That the gifts would be so evident in our life amongst each other, wherever we are, to be built up, to be encouraged, to be comforted, to be strengthened, to care for each other. Holy Spirit, I pray that now. I pray that now. Spirit of the living God, we invite you. Because you're the one who decides 
You're the one who distributes according to your good purpose. We're all part of this body, Lord, to function for your glory, that the name of Jesus will be lifted up above all things. Lord, that you would increase and that we would decrease. I pray this now in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Can I encourage you? You know, in those, you know, if you're that morning person and you get up, just say, Holy Spirit, use me. Use me. Or before you go to bed, Holy Spirit, use me. Use me. Because He's looking. The Spirit of God is looking for people to function in these gifts, to glorify Christ, that you would be encouraged in your walk in Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining us online. We pray God's richest blessing upon you. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks for listening today. I hope you subscribe to the podcast so you can be inspired weekly. God bless and have a great day.